You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You are inside the QB factory where our magical development dust make dreams come true. I am your host, Michael Kiss. This is all brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. And joining me, as always, is our mad scientist, QB1, in our hearts and our minds. He is Mark Schofield. Mark, how you doing, brother? We're back. Yeah. We are back. And look, normally we start with a historical reference. I will get to one of sorts in a second. But I got to ask, Mike... How you doing, buddy? I mean, are we good? Are we okay? We're getting through whatever this is. Like, I'm in Florida, and and it's not great. So yeah. everything's shutting back down and whatnot because, I don't know, man. Florida's going to Florida, and I've come to accept that. It's crazy that this is going to be a political statement. Wear a mask. Yeah. You're not oppressed because you have a piece of cloth on your face. Anyway, I'm sure we'll get some fence. Yeah, Mark's yeah, waiting a mask, a mask at me right, right now. Here. Just, just wear one. Here's the thing. I, I actually wrote this at USA Today, like last Friday. If you want to see Patrick Mahomes, if you want to see Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts, wear the mask. Right. If you want to see Tom Brady in Florida, wear the yeah. Wear the mask. <laughs> this isn't hard. It's, it's, it's not hard. And maybe you think that, like, I'm a you know I'm a man. I'm 43. I'm not going to get sick. Fine. But it's about the other people around you, yeah. you know? It's just a sign of consideration. Like, maybe you go to the store and the person that has to work there is working two jobs because they have an elderly parent at home who they're taking care of. Like, you may be a, like an asymptomatic carrier of this, but then you get that person sick and they get their mom or their dad sick. Yeah. Like, it's just... Florida, Florida man can manage to wear shoes when he goes into right. a public place. Then why not a mask? Look, right? and Florida man is high on meth. <laughs> who's going to be beaten off a crocodile who's high on angel dust? <laughs> like if you've got the strength to do that, you don't need to prove your manhood. <laughs> right, I agree. It has nothing you know? to do with it. <laughs> and besides, you could wear a bandana and look like somebody from Red Dead Two. Own it. I did not know this was going to turn into a PSA about wearing a mask, but it's really the threatening the football season. And the it NFL is. continues to operate as if nothing is happening. Right. Training camps are supposed to be like whatever they are. They created that when they created the NFL schedule, they didn't do it with the the you know extra conference games right. that we thought they would if they needed to cancel some games. The Eagles open up against a divisional opponent like. They're they're just like what season's going on? Nothing's happening here. here we go. We'll we'll see. I mean, I hope I, for my job. I hope there's I, a season. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing that I love. People being like, oh, sports writers they want to see the league get canceled. No, I don't. <laughs> no, don't. I want to be able to eat in the fall. We're we're gonna repress those feelings. Yes, with the, repress with the it all. <laughs> yeah, me and me and Millhouse. I do have a historical reference, however, and it's somewhat, shall we say, recent history because. Gentle listener, close your eyes for a moment here and listen to a story time from Uncle Mark. Because imagine, if you will, for a moment, a sports writer who somehow gets paid 
<laughs> real American dollars. It's crazy. Nuts. In this economy? Yeah. To write about the team that he grew up watching as a fan. And imagine, if you will, at the same sports writer, we'll, we'll, we'll call him Max. Sark Mofield. <laughs> Scrollfield, perhaps. Yeah. Imagine that he's become to be viewed as an expert on one position in particular. We'll call it quarterback. And that Max Scrollfield spent the entire spring telling anybody who would listen on radio shows, on podcasts, say one called the QB Scroll Factory, in print, wherever, that his favorite team was going to move on from a living legend, we'll call him Tim Brandy, and roll with a second-year, unproven, untested quarterback named, say, Garrett Stedman. Imagine <laughs> that he spent an entire spring telling anybody would listen that that guy was the plan. Imagine the look on our hero's face on a Sunday night in June when he had just got done telling his family, man, I love June summer nights, especially Sunday nights because I don't have to do any work. Maybe play some video games. I've got the PS3 back. Play a little NCAA 13. And like and then like a thunderbolt from the clouds, that team goes ahead and signs, I don't know, Cam F. Newton. Imagine that, Mike. I'm just saying. <laughs> Should that sh should should Max Scrollfield now take a massive L? Should he delete the account? Is that a disqualifier? Do you have to refund all of your paychecks? The only thing, Mike, that I think saves me is in the like three thousand word opus I wrote over at USA Today about why Jared Stidham is yes the plan. <laughs> at the very end of that, I snuck in this tiny little cluster of sentences, often referred to as a paragraph. Yeah. Where I say that, yes, Cam Newton is a better quarterback than Jared Stidham. And yes, <laughs> if the New England Patriots could somehow get Cam Newton to sign off on a league minimum deal laden with incentives, then obviously sign him. But Boom. since that's not going to happen, Jared <laughs> Stidham's the plan. Like, I am clinging to that paragraph to, like, save face. I mean, honestly, covering the Patriots has just – It's just a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Like, Bill keeps the, the cards close to his chest, and obviously that's going to be the topic of today's show. We are going to talk about Cam Newton and the Patriots. It's the biggest news in the NFL right now. It's the only news the in the NFL news. right now. And really, like you mentioned, the contract. The contract makes too much sense for the Patriots oh, yeah. to turn down. We praise the Cowboys for bringing in Andy Dalton as a backup on a one-year three mil with up to $4 million incentives for a potential worth of $7 million. We praise the Cowboys for bringing that backup. Now, Newton's deal is the ultimate value swing. It's a, it's a vet minimum deal, one-year, $1.05 million deal, which is the veteran minimum, if I'm not mistaken, and with incentives, he can get up to 7.5 mil. Now, SportRack put this out the other day. I found this interesting. The combination of the Patriots' probable QB1, RB1, RB2, wide receiver 1, wide receiver 2, and tight end 1 is just north of $21 million combined. 12 quarterbacks by themselves have higher 2021 cap hits. Now, I'm sure we're going to get into the context uh, uh, regarding the supporting cast in New England, but I don't think that there's an argument against this out there because even in the worst case scenario with Cam specifically, New England can still go with plan B, which was believed to be plan A, which was to develop Jared Stidham. And now you've probably just given him a longer incubation period. So this is like no brainer slam dunk. Of course you do it type deal. I mean, I think we could just 
end the show. I mean, I think you <laughs> nailed it. No, I mean, look, if you're the New England Patriots, you were up against it from a salary cap perspective. And so you couldn't like load up and make a run at a Jameis Winston or Cam initially when it looked like he was going to get like a bigger contract. And I think Mike Tanier put it best when he tweeted out on Sunday night, the Patriots still love Jared Stidham. They're still big fans of him. Yeah. But they don't trust their evaluation of him enough to say, oh, you know what? We'll ride with our evaluation on this unproven fourth round draft pick and just close our eyes and ignore the like former MVP staring us in the face yeah. for this kind of contract. That would be pure hubris if that they were to would, do yeah, that. There's exactly. no evidence on which for them to work with other than what he's shown in limited what, what the limited stuff they can see from him. Right. And I think what's, what's fascinated about this in a sense is unlimited hubris is a, a phrase people have often used to describe Bill Belichick when it comes to everything he does, whether it's <laughs> how he coaches or particularly how he handles player evaluation in the draft right? Mm. I drafted Jordan Richards in the second round, a guy that people didn't even have on their boards. Yeah, You know, I think what was interesting was if you look back at their draft this year, yeah, they made some picks. I mean, drafting the kicker when they drafted him was a Belichick move of all time. But when they drafted the safety in the second round that everybody thought was going to happen, they didn't swing on the Jordan Richard type, which was the special team or three-year captain that can't move. They swung on an athletic kid from you know, Noah Ryan, the Division Two kid, Kyle Tucker. Yeah. So you, you see this idea that Belichick is moving beyond what he typically does and has started to realize that I've got to do things a little bit different. Yeah. I think Cam Newton's a perfect example of that same sort of change in philosophy where in the old days, they probably would have gone for a mobile dropback quarterback like, you know, an Andy Dalton type or a Phillip Rivers type. But he realizes where the game's going. He has called Cam Newton public enemy number one because in two meetings against this guy, they haven't stopped him. Yeah. Like he's just embarrassed them, run all over them. And so he knows they got to get more athletic at the quarterback position. Cam Newton obviously brings him that. To cast a shadow of doubt over this, I think the biggest factor is obviously whether or not that, you know, this, this success is all hinging on Cam's health, obviously. I remember in 2018 when Cam was dropping back, and his back shoulder would go all the way down to Australia. And during the throw-in motion, you think he's trying to throw it to Norway. But really, he's just mustering up everything he has just to throw it down the street. Then you have the foot injury, which in 2019 caused some scattershot issues when throwing specifically outside the numbers to his right, which Steven yep. Ruiz uh, of For the Win pointed out in a recent piece, which I thought was great. And look, Cam has never been like top tier in the league in terms of accuracy to all levels of the field, right? I do, I do think in the heat of the moment that there are some that can get carried away with the hype that is his MVP season and what that created around him. We're very far away from that. But I, I think it's going to be clear from jump if we're dealing with a healthy or unhealthy Cam. We know what the throwing mechanics look like with both the shoulder and the foot being issues. We know what it's supposed to look like when he's at full health. The interesting part to me is, if he's healthy, how the Patriots craft their scheme around him and how much they utilize him as a runner, where he's very effective. And, and let me separate runner from scrambler, because I think there are some misconceptions with Ken oh, yeah. here. When I was doing prep for Eagles-Panthers back in 2018, I charted, I think, six games of Cam. And I was marking his launch points where the ball was being released because it's something that Jim Schwartz says he does when constructing a pass rush plan. Schwartz wants to know where to attack a quarterback. 
And to do that, he needs to know where that quarterback is likely going to be on the majority of his dropbacks and also where his escape routes typically are when he does scramble. Cam is a pocket passer. Cam is a very stationary quarterback. The value with his legs doesn't come from running around like Russell Wilson. It comes from the running game, things like QB power. And that can be a very dangerous element if you're able to add that into the fold of things that a defensive coordinator has to consider when formulating a game plan against him. So if he's healthy, like do they give him seven to eight design carries or options a game? Is it two or three just to keep a defense honest or and then work other concepts off that threat? Do we only see it rarely? So that's what I'm fascinated to see. Mark, in terms of Cam's health overall, is there anything to add in terms of like what we're looking for from a mechanic standpoint that we can point to and say, yeah, he's good or uh oh, we've got a problem here? I think from a health standpoint, Mike, the two things we're looking for, one, the ball placement on those throws outside the numbers, 20 yards downfield to the right side of the field. Because mm-hmm. as you said, Steven Ruiz up for the win. You know, I thought it was a fascinating bit of charting. He then talked to Nate Tice, who we both know, backed up the aforementioned Russell Wilson at Wisconsin, yeah. talked about the throw of mechanics, and it tied the two together because you saw that shoulder dip that probably re- relates in a sense back to the shoulder injury, mm-hmm. but then you tie in the lower body issues as well. And when you're a quarterback and your shoulder hurts and your f- lower body is bothering you, whether it's a knee, whether it's a foot, you are going to try everything you can to generate torque. And this is a quarterback who already is a case study into how to generate torque at at the quarterback position. I mean, right. literally, go to insidethepylon.com. I wrote the sort of glossary piece on quarterback torque, and Cam Newton was the case study. Like, it's, yeah. it's violent. It's like a Tiger Woods in his heyday type of swing with his upper body rotation. And so you want to see if the shoulder level is better. You want to see if he can, you know, finish throws, pushing off the right foot, finishing through the front foot. And then you want to see the ball placement on those throws, particularly in that area Stephen highlighted. Those are things to look for. Hmm. I think the schematic piece to Newton is fascinating as well because, you know, the early move by everybody when this news break was how is he going to fit in the sort of the Patriots Ernst Perkins type system, right? And I think before this, Doug Farrar, you know, earlier this summer wrote about how he'd be an ideal fit. And there are elements to what he was doing in Carolina the past couple of seasons that are almost one for one to what we're seeing in New England. You know, so I, I think that part of the scheme fit is fine. I'm more fascinated in some of the stuff you mentioned, the designed runs. Hmm. And the thing I keep coming back to is something that the Patriots do so often, you know, where they start out in empty, whether it's red zone, short yardage, even open field situations, and they bring James White back into the formation to give Tom Brady that sort of pre-snap look. Is it man? Is it zone? Whatever. And there are times they would have that little like touch pass, fly sweep, wherever, where they would hand it off to James White on sort of an outside zone design. The thing about that from a defensive perspective is, you know, even if you get fooled, you don't have to worry about midline. You don't have mm-hmm. to worry about the quarterback taking that vertical. Tom Brady's not going to do that. Cam Newton, you have to worry about that. And so I think, you know, Assuming he is their week one starter, you are going to see a package of plays used anywhere from five to ten times a game where they're going to show you that look, and now you have to respect that threat of QB midline. You have to worry about Newton faking it to James White, keeping it, and following Shaq Mason pulling up through the opposite A-gap or Joe Tooney pulling up through the opposite A-gap. You've got to stay home. You can't overcommit to that. And that opens up, obviously, him then handing the ball off because it's there. And so 
he will bring elements to this Patriots offense that they haven't had before. And in today's NFL, if you can have that run and threat at the quarterback position, you flip the numbers game. You're not playing 10 on 11. You're playing 11 on 11. And that evens the scales from a numbers perspective. And so I think that aspect of it is going to be fascinating. And I do believe that you're going to get designed runs for him. And your point about him being a pocket passer is exactly right. Like he's not a guy that's running around to create. He's 6'5", 250 standing there in the pocket. He doesn't need to run around because most guys with a run and start blast into him and bounce off. (laughs) So yeah, the only the only thing that, that that concerns me is like he is that stationary target. He's a big dude. Like guys like that. Like I, he's more like big. Like well, Big Ben kind of runs ben. around, but like Big Ben Ish, will hang yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah, and he'll take some hits, and that and that can be a detriment too. Like, let's go from scheme fit to like culture fit because there were people out there that that questioned Cam as a fit for the Patriots due to his personality, and I am not among them. From what we know about Cam. He's a very private person. He's incredibly competitive and focused. Mm-hmm. He's a super hard worker. He is extremely liked and respected by his mm-hmm. teammates. And he likes to have fun and celebrate, which contrary to what people might believe about Belichick, Bill actually likes that and has advocated for it before in team meetings. Mm-hmm. Where I've been dismissive of a team like, for instance, the Eagles signing Cam is that Cam's not there to be a backup, in my opinion. And that creates a quarterback controversy in itself. That's not because Cam's a bad teammate or hard to work with in a locker room setting. That's because Cam's potential is a darn good starter and he knows it. And that's why he took this deal with the Patriots. He basically said, forget the money. I've made that. I'll make it again once I get the chance to prove it. This is a business trip for Cam. And he is going to attack it as such, like a professional. He knows he can parlay this season into a huge contract in a quarterback-starved league with even just a decent, healthy season. But he needed to go somewhere where he had the chance to maximize his potential in 2021. He wasn't going to do that riding the pine behind Carson Wentz or Dak Prescott or Lamar Jackson, take your pick, so on and so forth. He can do that with the Patriots. Are you with me, Mark, that the concerns about Cam and Belichick working together are misled and is actually, I think, one of the more attractive parts about this? I think that's exactly right. And I think it was Will Brinson from CBS Sports who, in response to a Patriots fan slash troll, said in response to this news that he's not going to be a Patriots fan anymore because (laughs) of Cam Newton's attitude. He was like, you're a fan of a team whose coach once responded 15 straight times were on to Cincinnati during a post-game press conference. (laughs) Like... Culture is about winning in New England. It's not about being buttoned up as much as people want to say, oh, well, you know, I saw some other people saying, well, it's going to be interesting to see how much they let Cam Newton do on social media because they keep it buttoned up. Really? Yeah. You see Tom Brady's times? Like you see all the hype videos Julian Edelman's doing? Like the only time like – Comments like that bits bit a player was when Wes Welker made the foot toe sucking joke about Rex right. Ryan and Belichick sat him down for a series in a playoff game. Like yeah. that was it. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned the celebration. You should rename this the QB Factory feature at Steven Ruiz for this week's episode because <laughs> Steven clipped that video of Belichick in a team meeting saying, You should celebrate. You should be happy. Think about all the work that you have put in to get to this point where you make a big play in a football game. Think about everything that got you there. You should be happy. You should be celebrating. Your teammates should recognize that and be celebrating with you. Mm. And so if they win, if they're winning, it's not going to be an issue. He could wear the fedoras. 
He can wear whatever he wants. Right, well, if okay. they're witted, who cares? Yeah. I think he's going to fit in just fine. And the competitive nature is such that if you're Cam Newton and you realize over the past couple of months that only, I guess, maybe two teams were even interested and only one was willing to actually sign you right. for this deal, mm. you were going to want to light the world on fire. Because you have a chance, like you said, if he even has a halfway decent season to parlay this into, you know, another big time contract. If he has a great year, if he even gets close to MVP type numbers, if this team goes, say, 11 and 5 and makes a deep playoff run with him at the helm, what's his contract value this time next year? It's 100 million dollars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you're Cam Newton, given that competitive fire and this opportunity in front of you, you are going to make the most of it. You're going to do everything you can to make the most of it. So I'm not worried about culture fit or anything like that. I just want to hear what number he's wearing so I can buy the jersey. Let's talk about why we are possibly concerned. And it doesn't have to do with Cam. It has to do with the supporting cast around him. We're going to do that next here on the QB Factory. We'll be right back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We are back here on the QB Factory, Episode 5, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with Mark Schofield, quarterback one in our hearts and minds. So we talked about some positives about Cam, the fit, and all that stuff. What about the supporting cast? Because we talk about supporting cast all the time and how it can make or break seasons for quarterbacks. And part of that is the coaching staff, by the way. The Patriots check that box. The offensive line, same thing, which is even more important in this case. The weapons are the question. Taking into account how well the Patriots are at cooking up game plans from week to week, Mark, do they have just enough to keep the passing game efficient, or do they fall short in that in that category with the support that they can give Cam? I mean, I think whether it was Stidham, whether it's Newton, offensive weapons are going to be a question mark with the Patriots this year. Now, in the 3,000-word opus that I wrote about why Stidham was the plan, which you know, thankfully, I saved myself a little bit there. <laughs> you know, the argument that I was making from a sort of defensive perspective was this. They have a great defense. They still have a great defense, even with the players they've lost. They're deep in the it. secondary. Bill Belichick, obviously a defensive genius. And yes, Lamar Jackson lit them up. Well, Lamar lit almost everybody up last <laughs> year. That's a great offense. 
you know, but I think they were looking at if they were rolling out Jared Stidham as their starting quarterback this year, trying to win those 17-14 rock fights where they have a ball control passing game, eerily reminiscent perhaps of the early Brady years and relying on their defense to pitch shutouts, which in today's league means you're giving up two touchdowns, right? Mm. Now they don't have to do that as much. Like there's – if we all assume, you know, the best from Cam Newton – there's not that pressure to be perfect as a defense. And so you can give up some touchdowns because he can sort of make some things up on the other side of the ball. But the question is still going to be, do they have enough around him? Wide receiver is a question. We know Julian Edelman, provided he's healthy, is one of the game's best slot receivers. Best slot receivers. I'm not saying he's top five wide receiver or he's Hall of Fame bound, Canton bound or anything. I think he's Patriots reign of honor Hall of Fame, and that's probably it, unless we carve out an exception for slot receivers. But Julian Adam is a great slot receiver. He's great at what he does. If they can get Mohamed Sanu back healthy, Mm -hmm. he's a nice little Z piece for them. And the question mark is going to be Nikhil Harry. Because I think in Liz Loza, this is a great time of the year to follow fantasy football people because they sort of have a window into how teams are constructing themselves from that perspective, which is a good bit of insight. And she said, look, Nikhil Harry could test and catch situations like that was his bag at Arizona State. That's kind of what Cam Newton does. So wide receiver is a question, but I think they have some elements. Tight end is a question. It was a you know black hole of doom last year for this franchise. They've got the two rookie tight ends in Devon CSC from UCLA, Dalton Keene, from Virginia Tech, I think they're going to try to do some 12-21 stuff with Keen as somewhat of an H-back. But you're talking about two rookie tight ends. Tight end being a position where it is often tough to get immediate production from rookies because it's so different in the NFL than it was in the college game where you're usually asked to do one thing and one thing only, which is catch passes. And so hmm. now the weapons are a question mark. I think the running back room is going to be critical here. Yeah, And somewhat – of a look backwards last year i thought given the issues they had at tight end you might see more 20 personnel right you might see more packages with say james white and rex burkett in the backfield or michelle and white or you know they got super back dan vitale back so you might see some 20 personnel with him there um and that's going to be critical in the sense that cam newton does a very good job of checking the ball down he's coming from a system where he was able to throw to christian mccaffrey not the james white or rex burkett or anything like christian mccaffrey but the patriots do a very good job schematically josh mcdaniels does this so well getting those favorable matchups and exploiting them and so if you see a 20 personnel package coming at you with harry edelman sanu and then you've got white and burkett in the backfield do you stay base do you go light like that's the sort of things that defenses will have to grapple with. And if you do stay based and you're getting Burkhead and White matched up against linebackers, Cam Newton will throw to those guys all day long on those angle routes and arrow routes and dart routes and flats and checkdowns. They'll take that. Like that's their ball control offense that is, quote, eerily reminiscent of what they did in the early Brady era. So they could still do that stuff, but it's going to be difficult. I mean, it's not going to be super easy. Like this isn't the best skill set around a quarterback in the league. Interestingly enough, it might be one of the better ones that Newton has had in a while. I mean, we know Christian McCaffrey and recently Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore have been good, but if you think back to some of the other Panthers teams, it wasn't like he was throwing to stars. Yeah. I mean, he's he's had some thin wide receiver groups and a lot of people that cover that team, you know, John Ellis for one, one Panther place and others, um, they've been making the case that, look, one of the most horrible things we've seen in recent history is how the Panthers wasted Cam Newton yep. because they didn't give him a ton of help. Mm-hmm. So you can make the case that this is a Patriots skill group that isn't great, 
but it still might be on par, if not maybe even a little better than some of the ones he's played with before and led to the playoff. I love James White, by the way. Like he's one of my oh, yeah. my favorite, most underrated running backs in the league. The guy can line up a wide receiver. He's had more than he's had at least forty catches in what is it like five years now? The guy's going to be uber productive for them in the receiving right. game. He's a nice matchup weapon. I a yeah. really good route and runner. So interestingly enough, like started with that Houston Sunday nighter. You know, we talk about this being a copycat league. We've talked a lot about how teams figured out the Rams and Sean McVay with their jet motion and stuff. The Texans put a corner on White. Yeah. They were like, look, we're just sick of seeing him run away from linebackers. We're just going to put a corner on him because you can't throw to anybody else. We're going to bracket Edelman, put a corner on White. Who are you going to throw to now? Yeah. And that's when Brady forced that slant route to Harry that mm. got picked six that he iced you know, him out. He's like, just, you're not part of the game plan. And McDaniels kept trying to stuff him in. And Brady's like, no, I'm not throwing to him. <laughs> like, okay, well, what are you going to do now? You know, and that's the other thing. Right. Unless I'm missing something. I've never seen Cam Newton just ice, in a, ice a guy out. I've right. never heard the expression, the Cam Newton circle of trust. I've heard the Tom Brady circle of trust expression. I may have even trademarked that one myself. Yeah. And, and so it's hard not to see the potential positives here. And look. It was a thunderbolt from the football gods. Give yeah. it us something to talk about in the dead of June. Bless him. Bless him. Look, does Cam start in week one or is it Stidham still on a short leash, in your opinion? Let's assume Cam is healthy. Now, I'll even I'll add another layer to this. I'm sorry to do this to you. If he's healthy, does he start week one? And then if he doesn't start week one, does that mean that he's not quite healthy yet? I mean, I think the sort of unspoken aspect to this is what's training camp actually look like? Right, yeah. Like, I think that's the whole weird thing here, Mike, is like if we get training camp started in 30 days, which I don't know, look around, <laughs> it might not. Yeah. Um, but if it does, you know, I think there's enough time to sort of get him to a point where if he's healthy, he'll be up to speed enough where they can roll him out week one. Yeah. You know, so I, I think barring some sort of training camp delay setback or some sort of injury setback, he's the starter week one. Mm. And I think if he's not, it's either because we didn't get enough training camp and, you know, Stidham does have sort of an inside track in terms of knowing the offense, but I think Newton will be able to pick it up like almost immediately. Yeah. Or he's not healthy. Newton, by and the way. And that's the other thing. And yeah. You know, go ahead. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Because Newton, I don't think he gets enough credit for this, in my opinion. One of the smarter quarterbacks yeah. in the league, especially especially pre-snap. Is that what Thank you're going to you. say? Yeah. I mean, look, that video of him <laughs> against the Packers. I remember I was right over at Bleacher Report at the time. And when that play happened, I DM Doug Farrar. Um, I'm like, look, I'm right about this. I don't yeah. care what happens the rest of the game, the rest of the week. I don't <laughs> care if somebody throws for eight touchdowns. He's our quarterback one this week because when he likes hears Clay Matthews calling out the way around, he's like, "Oh, you've been watching film? Yeah, yeah. watch this." And they run the angle. Yeah. I, I mean, look, what's been great to see in the past forty eight hours or so, not just the people that cover the game talking about Cam Newton, but those that like get inside the locker rooms, start to share some of the insights from guys like Greg Olson and Christian McCaffrey about how smart a guy Cam Newton is, yeah. how well he knows this game, how he knows things inside and out. So like you were saying, like I was just saying earlier, I think unless training camp is like full on canceled, as long as they get like a couple of weeks, he's going to know this offense. He's going to be ready. 
Yeah. Like I'm not worried about that. And again, you talk about the the culture fit, this the you know the the personality fit. Belichick's gonna love a super prepped oh, up yeah. quarterback, man. He's oh, gonna yeah. he's gonna love that. Like he's not dealing with Jameis Winston out there trying to still trying to figure things out, throwing thirty picks in a year. You know this uh, is well, this is a different beast. A uh, uh, post LASIK Winston. Yeah. <laughs> I, we we can be cautiously optimistic about a post LASIK sure. Winston, right? Yeah, I mean, he could still see the underneath defender. He just doesn't care. Uh, <laughs> we, we of course, have to address the other Patriots news that dropped. Their punishment for filming the Cincinnati Bengals sideline. It's a third-round pick in 2021, which they're going to recoup with the Tom Brady comp pick anyway. A $1.1 million fine, I believe it is. And their film yep. crew obviously has restrictions moving forward into next season. I think I've made this clear on the on the show before, and I'll say it again. People might not like it, whatever. This is just how I feel. It's a waste of time huffing and puffing about the Patriots trying to explore every avenue to gain an advantage. It's what they do. I legit don't care. I just don't. It's also a waste of time, in my opinion, for Patriots writers and fans to continue to make excuses for it and dismiss it as if it's not true. No other team in the league has their history with it. It's what they do. Embrace the heel roll, own it, don't put your head in the sand, it happened, it is what it is. Mark, how are you feeling about the punishment doled out by the league to the Patriots? If you're going to put a camera crew in the press box and shine a camera in the direction of an opposing sideline, particularly a team you're about to play, <laughs> and you're the New England Patriots, <laughs> what do you think is going to yeah. Given your history right and i said this at the time if you're going to do that you need it in writing from everybody in the league mm. that it's okay to do that mm -hmm. and if you don't they're gonna bring the hammer of god down on you yeah. and you know what given the past and a lot of patriots fans like to say well you know, taping the signals was okay. They were just doing it from an unapproved location. Does that make it better? No. Does that make it okay? Right. That almost makes it worse. Like, yeah. it's like, yeah, we knew what we were doing. We were just trying to do it. Like, like you said, just own it. Yeah. Like, own it. Like, you don't have to defend it. Like, if – and if you're a fan of another team, I think you could be mad about the Patriots, sure. You could be angry that it seems like Belichick keeps getting away with it. Mm -hmm. But you should also be like, hey – are we doing something like that? Like, are we trying? You know? Like, uh, why aren't are, we? Like, that's my thing. Why aren't we? <laughs> or, and if not, like, why are we fighting them with one arm tied behind our backs? Right. If, like, the, penalty is, if the penalties are so light, do you think you're so, they're so light for the Patriots, you're right. missing out on a, on a market inefficiency, right? Yeah. Which is what we say in the Eagles world all the time. Right. <laughs> and that's what we say about Belichick, but the call picks, he's just exploited a market inefficiency. Right. And, one more thing. Future students that study public relations <laughs> are going to be reading in textbooks about the job Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots did this past weekend, right? <laughs> right. Because this deal with Cam Newton was in the works for a while. Yep. Mm -hmm. And what did they do? <laughs> they waited. And as soon as this penalty dropped on a random Sunday night that in any other time would have had everybody's minds blown and hair on fire, they were like, oh, by the way, we signed Cam Newton. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that storyline that everybody's been clinging to. It's the one big piece of news. Everybody's been waiting to drop. Where's Cam Newton going? Yeah, we got him. Oh, yeah. We got penalized, too. But what are you going to talk about? Like, I was on one Bills Live yesterday with Nate Gary, our good friend. 
and it's a Bill show. And Nate would have loved nothing more than to hammer me for 30 minutes on right. this. Right. We spent the first 29 minutes talking about Cam Newton. That's exactly even, what we did here. Yeah. <laughs> and even Nate was like, I can't believe I let you get away with this. <laughs> but before we go, I got to ask you about the penalty. Like, they did a masterful job at PR here. Yeah. And yeah, they deserved the penalty. They probably deserved more. I mean, the, the reason why they only got docked a third round was probably the fact that the film that they got was so useless anyway. Yeah. That, you know, because if they could caught, like, really get in something they could use, the league would have loved nothing more, I think. Or at least Troy Vincent would have loved nothing more, because he's the one that handed down the penalty here, to dock them a first-round pick. Maybe two first-round picks, if there was really something egregious here. But it's more the fact that they thought they could do it, the brazen fact that they thought they'd get away with it. No, we can't let it slide. Because if we do, we're going to get 31 other teams screaming at us the next day. We we dealt with it on this show for about two it. minutes. We talked embrace about embrace the hate, just embrace it. That's what I mean. Patriots fans, we're the evil empire now. Okay, we became what we hated because most Patriots fans are also Red Sox fans. We hate the New York Yankees. We call them the evil empire. We play the imperial march when they take the field at Fenway. But we've become that in football. We've become those we loathe. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the heel turn. Embrace the darkness. Enjoy it. That's going to do it for the QB Scope. Yeah. Wow, the Q- I almost called it the QB Scope Show. That was such I a still good rant. do. I rebranded yeah. it. <laughs> the QB yeah. Factory Episode 5 is in the books. Mark, any final parting words before we get out of here? I th- I really think you'd, you'd finish that all that I, I tried to. We had a month to prep for the show. <laughs> I, I will appreciate the fans of this show clamoring for a new episode. Like yeah. little, like actually calling us out, which I do. Like that was nice to see. People missed us, Mike. So next time on the QB on the QB factory, <laughs> almost did it again. Next time on the QB factory, uh, we did uh, second year potential breakouts on the previous QB factory. That was episode number four. So in episode number six, we'll do year three, which means we get to talk about some Josh sweet, Allen. Sweet Josh Allen, that's yes. coming your way next Clear time the here on the, on the QB factory. We appreciate you joining us. We'll catch you next time. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts.